And here we are again, and it is a great day. I'm glad to see you here. You never know. You never know what you're going to see on a July Sunday morning, but I'm glad to see you here. Great crowd here. You got a smile on your face. You're feeling good. Some of you had problems, and the problems are all gone. Well, maybe not, but glad that you're here this morning, and God is good always. Yes, I appreciate that. Let's think about something this morning and to think about our lives and how we deal with the challenges we face. I think we, maybe we've needed this along the way to think about this. I call the lesson, In Spite of the Armor. The verse noted on, on that page is, is one that tells that David hit him with a stone. He reached into his bag, pulled out a stone, hit the giant with a stone, sunk into his forehead, and he fell on his face. It's an interesting interesting story. We've read that story an awful lot of times. I want to read a section of it, verses 4 through 7 in just a moment. But I want us to see something else in this story this morning, more than just the underdog defeating the giant. I want us to recognize something that in spite of the armor, as we face challenges in life, some expected and some unexpected, we're not always prepared for what comes our way. We, but we do have resource if we're willing to draw upon it. In verses 4 through 7, there in that same chapter, 1 Samuel 17, it says, And a champion, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's like nine and a half feet tall or so. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had, a bronze, he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Sounds like that guy had himself pretty well protected. Sounded like he was ready to go out and do battle. And for 40 days, 40 days, he went out and he faced the Israelite army. As the armies would generally find themselves, usually on hillsides or thereabout, and they would look across a valley or across a plain, and there they would shout out at one another, and maybe they would chant, they would beat their drums, they would bang, they would sound their horns, and they would, they would encamp, and they would talk, and they would carry on, sometimes for days, and then finally a day of conflict would come. In this case, the giant had gone out day after day, stood before him, and said, send out your champion, and if he defeats me, We'll be your servants, but if I defeat him, you'll be my servants. And they did not find anyone that would go out and do that until the young man David came along. Sent by his father. Sent by his father to carry goods to the army. David had gone and seen what was happening, finds himself there, begins to wonder, well, what's the king going to do about this? What would he do for someone who goes out and faces him? Surely he'd do something great for the soldier that goes out there and stands before this giant. David's brother looks at him, his elder brother looks at him and says, hey, shut your mouth, man, shut your mouth. Go back home and play with your sheep. Go back to herding your sheep back home, but don't come out here and start making noise. You know how big brothers are. That's the way they are. They, they don't want the younger brother making too much noise or picking a fight or something that they feel like they might have to finish or he might have to finish. But David said, isn't there a cause? Ultimately, we know the story. 
If you don't, go back and read it. It's a great one that he faces the giant. But looking at that giant, looking at Goliath as, as he stands there, looking at him as he goes out before this army, dressed in all his array, heavy with his armor, prepared for anything that comes his way, standing there with his offensive and his defensive weapons, ready to deal with whatever conflict might come his way. He follows through the old Boy Scout creed, be prepared. And those are two words that are fit to live by, aren't they? Whatever we face, we want to be prepared for it. It's great advice. There's an important factor in that advice of putting it into practice. It's kind of obvious that if you're going to go out there, if you're going to deal with something, you want to be prepared for whatever is coming your way as much as possible. Let's say you're a student in school. Tomorrow you're going to have an exam. And the teacher tells you you're going to have an exam. So you gather all the notes you have for the history. And you go home and you spend the night and you burn the midnight oil and you study that history over and you know it inside and out. You've got all the dates memorized. You, you can even remember 1776. I mean, you've got them all. You got the names that you need, you got the major players all in mind, you know what it brought about and what it came about, and you've got that history down pat. You go to sleep at night feeling comfortable about it, you get up in the morning, you feel good about it, you're going to go and face that test, and you just know it. This is going to be that test you're going to ace. And as you get to school and you start into class, your good friend looks at you and says, are you ready for the math exam? Uh-oh, uh-oh, that wasn't what I prepared for. But isn't that the way life is? Isn't that the way life is? You get all prepared sometimes for the things that never happen. We've got those insurance agents to come to our house and try to sell us life insurance. I have, I have yet to see someone, I've yet to see someone die and collect on their life insurance. There's always somebody else that gets it. That was intended to be something of a joke, but we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but we, we try to prepare for things, don't we? We try to be prepared for whatever is coming our way that we know about. But then suddenly there's that thing that comes along that we didn't know. Consider the analogy. Consider what's going on here. David faced that well-prepared giant warrior, but caught him unprepared for what he would really face. It proved to be the undoing of that giant. It proved to be the undoing of that champion. But if you think about the analogy of it, Jesus came into a world. He came into a world that was looking for a savior, that was looking for a warrior, that was looking for a champion. Many thought they were prepared. They had kept the law. They'd kept the things. They had drawn upon what they thought was right. They'd even balanced and worked things together, and they thought they were meticulous in their observance of it. Many thought they were prepared, but they weren't prepared for Jesus. He brought them what they didn't expect. And for many, it simply proved to be their undoing. So in spite of the armor, in spite of the armor, you know, the fact is, everyone wears armor. We put our armor on all the time because our armor is our defense. That's our defense that we use against efforts of any kind. You know, your mother may have told you 
The sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt, hurt me. In fact, his words hurt, don't they? Sometimes we're not prepared for what somebody might say to us. We might be prepared for the sticks and stones, but we may not be prepared for the words that come our way. But we do our best. We put on our defenses. We put on our armor. We prepare for everything that we know about. Even Adam used a couple of pieces of armor, if you think about it. For when God came to the garden after the sin of Adam and Eve, and he found Adam and Eve in the garden there, Adam used two defenses. One, he hid from God. That's a defense. Let me just hide. Maybe he won't find me here. And then the other was, he blamed God and the woman. You know, if one doesn't, doesn't help, try the other one. Everybody has defenses they use. Even David later. David later would try to cover his sin of conspiracy and, and murder. He tried to cover it with a generous attitude, a generous, uh, a generous perception by a people around about him, by taking in the woman whose husband had died. What a great and gracious king he was, and people just didn't know what was happening. David tried to cover his sin in that way, and it wasn't until God confronted him about it, until Nathan the prophet was sent to him. And others have done the same. Jonah tried to go to a distant place. But you know, we're not that different from them. We don't... We don't we don't not have defenses. We don't, have, we don't uh, maybe wear armor, but we don't go without our defenses. Even the way we dress, the way we style ourselves, if you want to call it that, even the way we present ourselves is a kind of armor and defense as we approach the world, as we approach people, even as we approach our friends and our family, we put up this shield, this protection against these things. And still... It comes down to we wear armor against what we know. Physically, we do it. Adam and Eve, after that sin, they had made clothes for themselves. They were made out of leaves, but they made clothes for themselves. And they were wearing a kind of armor when they left the garden because God made clothes for them to wear when they went out and faced the greater hardships of the world round about. But we recognize that. That's back in Genesis 3, but... We recognize it today. You think about what our military does on a regular basis, and some of you know far more about that than, than I do. The ever-changing military defenses that we have ever prepared for what might be coming our way in some kind or another as warfare and the manner of warfare has changed again and again over the years. From the ever-changing military defenses to the cars that we drive and the way that we protect ourselves within our cars. I grew up in a car where there were no seat belts. There were no airbags. The back doors didn't lock. Not in the same way they do today. We didn't have child defenses. We didn't even have child seats in our car. Can you imagine that? But today we build all kinds of defenses and warnings and warning signs right within the cars that we drive. You know, what we meet and the way we deal with them and the things that we wouldn't have perceived just like the, the military today and the things that we're dealing with today were not things that were even considered long ago. Remember when the first vehicles made their way into the Middle East in the conflicts that were there and the IEDs were killing so many and they had to arm the vehicles later in a different way? Physically, we try to do our best and we adjust to putting armor on as we meet things, but sometimes we're just not prepared for the things that are coming our way. Spiritually, it's the same. Spiritually the same. 
I've lived long enough, and some of you have lived right along with me for where we once had a clear understanding of doctrines that were foreign to the Scriptures, and we saw groups of people that had ideas, and we could, we could address the issues that they were dealing with. We could address the doctrines that they were putting forward and say, this is where I believe you're wrong. This is what I believe the Scripture says, and be very straightforward and very plain about it. We're finding that the, the things that we're confronting today are not as clear. They're much more nebulous much more uncertain in many ways. Undefined might be a better word. Yes, we take unto us the whole armor of God, but notice what he says. We're not fighting against the ordinary here. Ephesians 6 and verse 12, not fighting against flesh and blood, but with powers that are different. And there's one other thing about armor that I want you to notice. One other thing that the armor we put on is the armor cannot protect us against our own, and I'm not supposed to use the word. I, I use the word less than intelligent behavior here. That's what I wrote down. But armor can't protect us from our own stupidity. If we're unwilling or just determined to go in a certain way, armor is not going to protect us. There's a great story in 1 Kings chapter 22. One of my favorite characters comes out in that. But you remember in that story, old King Ahab had brought in the prophets, and should I go out and fight? Most of the prophets says, and Micaiah says, you're going to go out there and die? Well, he takes the, the king of Judah, and he says, I tell you what, you go out and dress in your royal attire. I'm not going to dress in my royal attire and go out there. You know, oh, Ahab said, I'm going to fool them. I'm going to dress like just one of the other soldiers and I'm not going to go out there and die because they won't know I'm the king. Well, he went out there and sure enough, they didn't notice he was the king. They didn't notice that he was there, but there happened to be an archer that just launched an arrow and it caught him between the places where his armor separated. And sure enough, Ahab died. He thought he was safe when not wearing the king's armor and there he died. Sometimes we just don't listen. When those wanderers in the wilderness came to the point of the land and they, the, the, the spies had come back and said, we can't go in. They, they thought together and they thought, God said, all right, you're not going in. You're just going to wander. This, these people are going to die. They said, no, 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 no. We'll go in. And so they decided they'd go into the land. Moses said, don't go into the land. The Lord told you, don't go in. And they started into the land. They got run back. Sometimes we just don't listen. Deuteronomy 1. We just don't listen. And so it comes back to our armor. As we look at that giant, and we may not have a very accurate picture of him, and there's cartoon drawings you might say that I've got up here. And, but you look at that, the giant wore his armor, and he's still lost. And we think about what he was wearing. His size was great. He was scary by himself, at least nine and a half feet tall. Some think maybe even taller than that. And he wore the armor of the day, and the size and the weight of it was large. And his sword was described in, in 2 Samuel 2, or 21, I beg your pardon. In 2 Samuel 21, all right, 1 Samuel 21, I'll get it right in a minute. And 1 Samuel 21 is described as having none other like it. No other sword like that, the priest said. And he even had an armor bearer to carry his shield. How would you like to be his shield bearer? He had all the protection of the day. He had it all there. And when he went out into the field, you can tell by the, the response of the Israelite soldier, you can tell they were not about to face this guy. There was no one ready to go out and face him. 
except David. It amazes me that such a man could hold a whole army at bay for 40 days. Why not just in mass attack him? But they didn't do it. Maybe code of ethics, rules of war, I don't know. But they let him do that day after day after day after day. And then he met the shepherd boy. And that shepherd boy, with one stone from a well-used sling, brought him to his end. It might be worthy to note that David did use that giant's sword to remove his head and put an absolute end to the man. So carry it to you and me. Carry it to where we are and our thoughts and who we are and what we're doing. As we get, got that picture in that great battle that didn't last very long in our minds, when we've got it there and we recognize the failure of the man, we've got the admonition that Paul puts before us in Ephesians 6. You pick up in verse 10 and read through about verse 20. Paul lays it out there for us. Put on the whole armor of God. Put some emphasis on the words whole and armor. And Paul uses the physical armor, the armor of the day, the common armor of the day to illustrate the spiritual armor that we wear, whether it's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the leg coverings, the preparation of the gospel of peace, or the sword of the spirit, or the shield of faith, whatever it is. In each of those, he uses the illustration of each one and he lays it out there and he says, put that on. But at the same time, recognizing each one, of one, each one of those, and I don't know how many times we've looked at them, we've studied them, we've gone into Bible classes, and we've thought about them, we've heard preachers tell us, stand up, put on the whole armor of God. Sometimes we miss and we overlook the weightier matters, such as the dependence on God that he puts in verse 1. To the prayerfulness of the communication with God, he puts in verse 18. To the watchfulness that's also there in verse 18. It's not just the putting on of the armor. It's the connection, the communication. It's the eyes that are aware and learning and growing. It's all of those things. I think there are far too many, maybe in Jesus' day and maybe in our day, too many who are simply putting on the armor and leaving up the fighting up to God. Say, Lord, I'm yours, so just take care of it. I want you to notice something. And David told the giant, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of God. But you know what? He still slung that stone. He didn't just wait for God to take down the giant. He didn't just stand there and say, okay, God, I'm out here now. You do your business. I think sometimes we look at it that way. Say, all right, Lord, I've been through the water. I've been baptized. Now take care of business. And Paul's telling us, put on the whole armor. Put all of it on you. The armor of the head and the heart. Much like Jesus emphasized the weightier matters of justice and mercy and faith. As he speaks to his own generation, he said, you're meticulous in your observance of things right down to the, the minutest amount of the herbs and seasons that you offer and you sacrifice. He 
and sometimes you've done the details of these things, but you've left the more important, the weightier, the bigger things undone. Don't do it. I think what he's telling us is we are not to engage blindly, but thoughtfully. Sun Tzu in The Art of the War says, Know your enemy or know thy enemy and know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. Don't you love that? That's the thinking. That's the heart. That's the determination. For the, fa- the tactics and the faces of enemies tend to change over time. The way we're approached changes over time. We need to be knowledgeably recognizing what is coming our way and the enemies that we must deal with and be able to engage the enemy tactfully, carefully, victoriously. As Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, we need to be ready to give an answer to anyone. Anyone who asks us concerning this that's in us or whatever we deal with. So let me leave this thought with you. That giant was well armored. That's the, a big point. The giant was well armored. He was ready for battle. And if a soldier had come out to him with sword and spear, with shield, with all the armor that they had at their disposal. If a soldier had come out there, he would have taken that soldier and he would have fought with him to the death. And probably he would have won. They had no one to match him in that regard. But remember, it was just a shepherd boy without armor. Not the kind we think about. It was just a shepherd boy with a sling and a stone that brought him down. If you carry the analogy very well, if you carry the picture very well, it may not be the thing that we most consider that will be the biggest problem. It may not be the thing that we address most of all that will give us the greatest problem. It may not be the thing which our armor is intended to do or we expect it to do that we need it to do. It may be that simple stone that we don't expect. Think about it this way. You go out and you're dealing with things and you wear the best shoes that you can and you're out for a walk. And you go along that that gravel road and you're going along on the road and doing just fine and then you kind of stub your toe a little bit and a rock flies up and drops into your shoe. Just a tiny one. Just a tiny one. And you try to walk. Just that tiny stone. And what do you got to do? You know what you got to do. He was prepared for just about anything, but one stone brought him down. So my friends, the, wor- the news of the world is filled with ever-changing tactics of the dangers that are around us. Whether we're talking about physical dangers or whether we're talking about spiritual ones. Whether it's a physical virus, a destructive computer code, or a radical extremist, or a subtle, subtle encouragement that seems innocuous. It is. Remember this. It is in our hands. It is in our opportunity to address the danger 
with whatever it takes to even step beyond the common expectations of our armor. I don't want to play on this too much. But several years ago, and I told you this just recently, several years ago I was asked to speak on what I saw were the problems facing the church in the future. I got to tell you, I had quite a list, and I shared them in the lectureship in which I was speaking, and, and when I, I was done, I thought, Moa, Rush, you've done a good job. I like to pat me on the back. I might have been right in part of them, but I got to tell you, I was wrong in a lot. I didn't see some of the things coming our way. Who would have thought some of the things that have come our way would have come our way? Who would have thought some of the things that would hold us down would hold us down? Who would have thought we would face some of the things that we'd face as a nation, as a people, and as a spiritual people? Who would have thought we would face some of the apathy that we face today? Who would have thought? But that's where we are. We need to address what's even beyond the common armor. This morning we're going to sing a song of encouragement. If there's someone who's never obeyed the gospel, we want you to know this is God's saving plan, God's opportunity for you, God's salvation in Jesus Christ, and it's in no other, Acts chapter 4. We need Him and what He brings our way. You need the opportunity that's in Him, and it is your blessing and your opportunity to know that. If someone needs to respond this morning, we want you to do so. If you have other questions, we'll gladly assist you with those. If there's a need you need to bring and let us pray with you, let that be yours as well. And if you need to use this opportunity and this invitation time, please do so while we stand, while we sing together.